another episode of How's the Market, a podcast for first home buyers and upgraders that gives you tips, tricks, and up-to-date real estate information from on the ground across Melbourne and Geelong. This podcast is brought to you by Tommy Buyers Agents. My name is Tristan Larkin, and with me, I've got my co-host, Jonah Howard. How you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, sir. Very well. Yes, I'm on my phone today because my internet is terrible. This will be the last week, though, and, and it's, then next week I'll have some good internet for us, and we'll, the show will. It's sad that this is an improve. improvement for the internet. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, last one, and then but we're getting there. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. So, yeah. tell me, mate, how was um how was the opens out in Geelong? Yes, I reckon it picked up even further last weekend. Um, there was about eleven and twelve groups through eleven or twelve groups through a property in Belmont. So that's definitely the highest numbers I've seen in the past. Yeah, probably six, nine months. So, yeah, very positive stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. So, well, I mean, that's sort of been reciprocated across Melbourne um, in just terms of like things ramping up a little bit. Definitely feels like we're getting into more of a spring market. Mm-hmm. So, just even looking at the the total number of auctions held across sort of like Melbourne um, in Victoria the previous weekend. So, on the 20th of August, for just for context here, there was 898 auctions held according to SQM data. That number jumped from 898 the previous week to the week and just gone sitting at 1135. Um, and uh, the clearance rates also rose as well. It's like a 30% increase. So. Yeah. So, the clearance rates rose from 53.6 to 54.9. So, it's going up a little bit more. I expect we're going to have a few more big auction weeks um, in the next two to three weeks, I think. Things are definitely going to pick up as we're heading into the spring market. Um, definitely more stock coming on, a little bit more buyer interest, especially when you get these warmer days. Like last weekend, the weather was really good. So I think that just overall boosts numbers. There's a lot more people out and about on the streets and, and looking to buy property. So yeah, I think things are things are ramping up, which is uh, it's a good sign. Absolutely. Now, this week, very important topic and something that, you know, we've had a, a lot of conversations around recently with, you know, potential clients, clients that we've got on, um, just pretty much off market. So like, what are off market properties? Should you buy them? Are they good? Are they bad? There, there is a bit of, you know, good, bad and ugly um, in the off market market, if that makes sense. And I think that they've just been such a hot topic recently, because there's just been a stock shortage, right? So, you know, if, if stock is about 25% less than the long-term averages, which is sort of what the data is showing, um, it's significantly less than the last couple of years since we're coming out of a boom. It's just harder to buy like that perfect home. Like if you're an upgrader or a first home buyer, you're looking for that dream home or even just like a, a good foot in the door, something that's going to grow. There's been less available. And also on that, what has been available, a lot of it has been investor stock. So it's a lot of investment properties. Maybe they're not in the best condition because tenants haven't looked after them that well and haven't done lots of maintenance and renovations to the home after, like over the last sort of five, 10, 15 years. Um, and so there's just been less of that A-grade stock on the market, which is really what like we try to buy for clients and what you know the, the average punters out there is trying to find. It's just those A-grade properties, the best street, the best orientation, it's been renovated, all of that. It's just harder to find. So... What is an off-market? Simply, it's just a property that's not on like realestate.com and domain. Like that's, that's just a way to think about it. Like if on the market means on the portals, this is something that just hasn't hit the portals. So an off-market property essentially means that, though there is levels to what an off-market is, like how off-market really is it. Sometimes 
I've been invited to an off-market inspection um, and the agents have blasted out this off-market inspection to multiple databases and then you show up there and there's like 20 people in the home. It's like, it's not really, like you're not really getting a strategic advantage there from from that specific off-market per se, um, even though it might not be online. So that like that's one level to it. Other times agents bring us through properties where we're the only person there. They're like, haven't no one else has seen it. You're the first person to see it. Sometimes they're pre-market as well. So they're saying like, you know, if you want to buy it, you can buy it off market. If not, if we can't sell it, um, you know, off market, we'll put it online in six weeks time. Like that's, it's very sort of common to hear something like that. Um, sometimes off market properties are, you know, it's like there's there's multiple other people on there. Sometimes there's not. So they're, they're the sort of big differences between them. So the, the next thing is like, should you buy a property off market? Like, is there is there actually advantages to it? Like, why would you want to do it? Isn't it more risky? Like I, I often get asked that a fair bit. Isn't it more risky? Can be. Um, so but at, like at Tommy, we purchase about 50% of our properties off market. I think in, in the recent months, it's it's been nearly all of them, but sort of averaged out it's about 50 percent of the properties that we purchase are off market um we love doing it the reason being is because when you're purchasing an off market you're typically negotiating against the real estate agent and the vendor whereas if a property's on market you might be negotiating against another competitive buyer so that is the major difference there like if you're negotiating against the vendor it's a lot easier than if you're going up against multiple buyers, right? Because they can just outbid you and then you need to, it's, it's usually just like a price race, whereas sometimes off markets can be actually more about the terms. So it's a lot easier to get better prices off market, which is why we push them so much. So one of the reasons as well that it is easier to justify a lower price is because Vendors don't have to pay marketing and styling fees. So if they were to put the property on market, they'd have to pay for photography. They'd have to pay to get it listed on realestate.com and domain. And, you know, they're getting more expensive too. Like they've got their whole own model where you can get gold, silver, premium, platinum packages where they can charge, you know, thousands of dollars just to be listed on those sites. And, you know, if you don't sell quickly and you want to get boosted back up to the top, you pay them more money. Um, And... Yeah, styling fees, like all of these things, they all add up over time as well. So that's one thing that makes it a little bit easier for the vendors. And interestingly, there was an article that was released by PropTrack, which is like the official data source for realestate.com. And they released that in July of 2023. And the study that they did found that in Melbourne, homeowners risk close to $30,000 selling off market on average, which is meaning that you know, I think it was buyers. like sixty thousand in Sydney as well. That's nearly double. Yeah, it was. It was sixty thousand in Sydney, um, but still, like thirty grand. Like if if you buy a property off market, you're on average saving around thirty grand, which is a lot of money. And so, I mean, if if you look at it from a vendor's perspective, like why would you want to sell for thirty thousand dollars less? Um, there is a few reasons. Like it's typically on a case by case basis, though. What I hear most commonly is its privacy. So that is that's the main one. Like they don't want their neighbors usually um, like a divorce or something like that. Yeah, it could be, yeah, hundred percent. So if it's a divorce, you know, they don't want all their friends and family seeing that their property's online. Um, they don't want it, you know, if they drive past their house to see the big sold 
or like for sale board or like the open home inspections and then it like you know people ask questions um that you know that is actually the exact reason just recently i went through an off-market um in canterbury and the agent said you know it was close to a school and they're like yeah you know the the children go to that school so they don't want all the other parents to see that it's you know this property's for sale and then that they ask questions and then it's like find out that it's divorce and you know they just don't want their private lives being advertised to the outside world which like you know understandably that makes that makes total sense so sometimes it's um you know just for privacy reasons sometimes it's because you know if they were to sell on market they'd have to renovate so they'd have to do new paint new carpet you know full landscaping it's either going to cost them money to do all that stuff that they might not have to get it like in a you know a, a ready to sell condition or they just don't have the time and it's like if you know if we can get something done now do it for a little bit less don't have to do the full campaign don't have to spend money on marketing don't have to spend money on gardening renovations maintenance and it would just save them a huge headache so it's like yeah a lot of people aren't actually motivated by money which i think surprises a lot of people so it's you know you hear like it's thirty thousand dollars less if you sell off market sometimes 30 grand means nothing to to people you know if you're selling a property for yeah one their million, time their time is their time is worth more so it's just yeah. worth they'd rather just pay the money yeah yeah and just you just got to think of it like relatively right so i mean if they bought the property 10 15 years ago they've paid down the mortgage significantly you know there's a huge amount of equity in there um 30 grand might not be worth the hassle to them like it's 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 quite a common quite a common thing so that's just like why someone would sell off market but tr- like here it is it is typically the terms that make the biggest difference to people selling off market i've definitely found that um when we've been buying properties like we've bought some and i honestly believe if if it had have gone on market and done an auction campaign even in the condition that we bought it it would have sold somewhere between 120 to 150,000 above what we paid for it and th- i'm pretty sure they knew that too though the only reason that, that they sold it to us was because we gave them a six month settlement and that's all they wanted so it was all about um you know the house was full of you know personal belongings it was you know it was a deceased estate in the family they were going to it was going to take them months to clean it up and you know they just wanted the security to know that it is going to be sold and you know they don't have to rush and that, that was all they were looking for so you know it can make a massive difference though i'll give a i'll give a word of warning not all off markets are good properties as well so some properties are off market because they wouldn't do well on market so you need to be careful here you really do um i've seen i've seen some people <laughs> it could look bad on the agent Oh, you know, look bad on the agent. Um, sometimes it's just a compromised property. Like it's just like no one's really in the market for it at the moment. And they know that, you know, if they put it online, it could take them six months to sell. Whereas if they, you know, if they listed it off market, someone might think that there's a really cool opportunity there and pounce on it quickly because they, you know, the, the agent might be good at negotiating and say like, oh, we're going to put this on market. It's going to fly. If you want to get it, you need to jump in now. Like you, you got to, you just got to be careful sometimes. Like I've seen, someone sent me a property um, that their friend purchased recently. Their friend, you know, is not in the real estate industry. The agent told him that there was an off-market property, and he he just overpaid for it massively. So the agent sold it to him, saying like, you know, it's an off-market. You know, I'll give, I'm giving you an exclusive opportunity to get into this 
esteemed estate you you know if you want to purchase this before it goes for an auction campaign and sells way above your budget you need to go hard you need to go now and i reckon they spent 200 grand above what it's worth like he's in a position now where um you know interest rates were affected him and he needs to sell and they asked me to just evaluate the property and i was like i just don't think he's going to get back what he purchased it for which is you know that's it's why you do need to be careful like sometimes people don't like purchasing off market you know if they don't have the help of a buyer's agent because when when it's on market it's easy to understand value like if they've got it quoted 550 to 600,000 for example you're a first home buyer and there's 40 other groups through you it's like all right if there's that many people that are interested at this level you know if you spent you know 50 grand above the top of the range then it makes sense whereas sometimes off-market properties are literally quoted differently. Like they don't underquote them. They quote them what they actually expect to sell it for. So then, you know, if you're used to seeing everything underquoted, selling above the range, and then they give you like this off-market range, which might be different, and, and then you pay overs, like it's just easy to do that. So yeah, just a word of warning, you do need to be careful. Now, just just to wrap this up, um, how do you find them? So Jonah and I have been discussing this recently and i think we actually want to put some like training out there of like our systems and what we actually do to to get access to them for clients um and why it'll probably be released probably in the next week hopefully yeah so stay tuned um if you are interested in that just like reach out to us we'll make sure we'll give it to you free if not i'm sure you'll see it in the coming days and weeks and we'll get something uh live for you and yeah we'll just show you how to do it but essentially it's just it's just having a relationship with a real estate agent, right? And not just having a relationship, but consistently asking for your specific brief, like your, the property type you're looking for. You know, if it's a three bed, two bath, one car, lock up garage on 400 meters squared and you've got between seven and 750 to spend, just like keep telling them that over and over again. And, you know, show up at the opens, you know, if, you know, build a relationship with them, have a laugh. If they like you, they're more likely to try to help you. So that's that's the long and short of it. And then it's just like consistency um, and trying to do it on scale as quickly as possible just to be able to give you the most opportunity. So if they know you're a hot buyer, they would, sometimes they also have hot buyer lists um, internally in their team and ask to get onto the hot buyer lists. Say like, hey, I'm pre-approved. This is my budget. You know, I made an offer on this property and I missed out. I'm ready to go. Like, if you can find me something like this, like, let's get a deal done. Yeah. It's just about making making yourself known, isn't it? Like, the, the agents, they want to sell their properties. They want to sell it. They want their commission. So, if you're just making yourself known with your budget, you're pre-approved, you're ready to go, then they're going to give them to you. Yep. And that that's pretty much it. Like, that is, that is how to do it. But, like, we do have a pretty good strategy and system for doing it, like, being able to contact the agents what information to give them, like a bit of a dialogue and a script that you should be having with them in order to get the most out of them. So we'll share all that in uh, you know the coming coming days and weeks. So make sure you stay tuned. Give me a week. <laughs> That's it. All right. Now, what do you have for us in the media? Okay. So this is probably some very good news, hopefully, um, for first-home buyers and young Australians, I think. So Victoria are urgently exploring stamp duty alternatives for residential property. Um. So housing affordability has been a big topic of discussion within Parliament over the past few years, and this week it has continued. A Parliament inquiry has been made to potentially abolish stamp duty and incorporate a land tax in its replacement. 
So it should be known that this, you probably saw at the beginning of this year, that for commercial property, they abolished stamp duty and they incorporated a land tax. So hopefully residential property will follow. However, I know that it brought in $8.2 billion, billion with a B, um, for the Victorian government last year, stamp duty alone. So that's a lot of money that they were potentially mm. going to have to sacrifice um, or they're going to have to replace it and it's going to be over a longer term. But hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's so just, just on that quickly, yep. like that's like th- this article, like I had a quick look. So stamp duty is 25% of the entire state government revenue. So it's like a state tax, right? So it's 25% of their entire revenue that is coming from this one source. So like I see why they're being slow to you know, get rid of it because they just make so much money out of it. Um, and you think of like when, when house prices rise, then stamp duty rises because it's, it's a percentage of the purchase price. So, you know, in 2020, 2021, house prices go up 30%. It's like stamp duty, it's like government revenue goes up by 30%. So you can see why, you know, it's actually in their interest to a degree for house mm. prices to keep going up but because I that's the if, revenue that's also going up. If young Australians just keep complaining as as we are um, about affordability, cost of living, etc., I think they're just going to have to give in eventually. And it's to be known as well that Victoria by far has the highest stamp duty as well. Like if you're paying, mm. you're potentially paying like 25% less stamp duty in other states. So I know for a, for a $600,000 loan, you'd be paying $37,000 in stamp duty which is crazy. It's a massive percentage and it can be incredibly costly. So incorporating a land tax could make entering the market a hell of a lot easier for young Australians. And with housing affordability getting more and more out of reach, it feels like by the the day, inflation, etc., I think the government will have to eventually have to listen to to the people and abolish stamp duty for good. I think, yeah, this will be very, very good news if that does come along. Of course, the government is going to have to sacrifice some some tax with $8.2 billion being from stamp duty in the last year. So I don't know where it's going to come from. If they incorporate a land tax, obviously, they potentially get the same amount of money, but it will be over a, a much longer period. But yeah, I think hopefully if we keep pushing and keep complaining that they'll listen. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be good for just the general population for them to have some sort of change like that so mm. like you keep paying the tax but it's not all but do they lumpy. care about us or do they just care about themselves uh well, i think they definitely they definitely have to like listen to everyone's opinions but it i mean it'd be to the benefit of a lot of the people especially like the, the baby boomer generation is still like the biggest generation right um and they're coming into the era of downsizing and changing and like i think some people would be you know, they don't want to move homes consistently because of stamp duty and selling fees. Like it's very expensive to buy and sell property at the moment. Like if you just look at agent fees and stamp duty alone, like you don't want to be selling properties every like one to two years and moving around like consistently. So it's sort of hard, like, you know, people might not want to downsize. So they hold on to properties that are too big for them and don't make sense um, because, you know, if they downsize they'd have to move and then it might be, you know, $150,000 in stamp duty and agent fees if they want to stay in a similar area or, you know, or, or more like depending on the purchase price, obviously, and what the budget is. But so if they, if they got rid of that, it would make it a lot more like uh, the amount of property transactions would definitely go up 
because it's a lot easier to then, you know, have these consistent changes. Like you can move properties more often. They can change hands more freely. And that would stimulate the economy in its own way mm. as well. That's more, that's more agent fees. That's more conveyance fees, more building and pest. There's, there's a lot of other things where it can probably stimulate the economy as well. So maybe that's another, another avenue they can explore. Another argument. Yeah, because right now, like, if you got a job in a city and you're being like really far out, like you don't want to have to sell and then move closer because, you know, you might only be at that job for six to 12 months or two years or something. And then, you know, if you, you can't really sell and move house every time you get a new job and it's in like a different part of the state or something like that because it's just too expensive. Whereas in, in an environment where it's a land tax rather than a stamp duty, you would be in a position where you could do that more freely. So yeah, I think definitely, definitely something to consider um it'll definitely help first home buyers even if they introduced it in a similar way to what um, new south wales did i i do agree that it probably does need to be like an, a national thing even though it's a state-based tax so it is quite complicated though yeah like new south wales introduced it as a concept for first home buyers only because you know they are worried about taxing people twice so that's could be a good way to introduce the the concept and um sort of take it from there but yeah i think it would definitely make a, a massive difference to people entering the market because like first home buyers you know if you're purchasing above six hundred and fifty thousand dollars or seven hundred thousand dollars where the concessional finishes like you're paying a lot of money like it's an extra you know if you're purchasing seven hundred and fifty eight hundred thousand dollar house you're looking around 40 grand or more like it's a, it's a lot of additional cash to save so yeah i think it definitely would help stimulate um you know the economy but also like really help out first home buyers too so i think it's you know definitely something i'd like to see happen um, in, in sort of the coming months and years. We'll see, mate. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of How's the Market. Make sure you do check out tommy.com.au to get access to our How's the Market blog and join the mailing list and we shall see you again in next week's episode. So you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Jonah underscore Tommy underscore Geelong and Tristan Larkin and we shall see you next week. Take care, everyone. See you, everyone.